Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Bucked Up Podcast. If you don't mind hitting the like and subscribe button, we have two new episodes coming out every week. Now let's get into it. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite rap labels, Front Row Regal. Started by my good friend Rock City Mark, legendary rapper Ito, and Jay Rios, they are the go-to for real hip-hop. Make sure to check out the whole team, including DJ Duop, Jay Black, Nice to Future, Boo Boo the Prince, Reno RX, and Uop Diggs. Follow Front Row Regal on all platforms and check out the new New York by Ito and DJ Duop out now. Yeah, yeah. And we good. We're on. We're finally making this happen. Thank you so much for coming on. My boy Buck, what's the word, kid? <laughs> Yo, I've been listening finally. to that. Finally, I know. I uh I've been listening to that new project since that album release you guys did, and that shit was different. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Uh yeah, man. Shit, that that whole experience was was a fucking it was a movie, man. Like I don't want to even sound cliche but that shit was just a different vibe man everybody was feeling the music people it was like a spiritual thing like people just fucking just vibing now and the energy was crazy and shit i can't even i can't even call it i i always tell people technically i was there but i wasn't there i was just so focused on the music yeah but it, it it was crazy it was crazy I feel like that's the producer's mentality is like a step away from it. Like you're, you're an observer almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my first time doing a listening event, like in front of like, you know what I mean? Like Aldo been doing it for years. So uh, that's nothing new to him. For me, it was my first time really like having everybody that fuck with us listen to it at the same time we're listening to it. So I'm just looking at making sure the sound sound good. The studio sound like the speakers, like everybody feels that shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really there, like trying to make sure, like, I right, I hope this shit doesn't sound flat. I hope this shit hit. I hope the next room hears that shit. Um, but I mean, overall, it was a dope experience. Like it didn't take me like that day didn't really hit me until like a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. But it, it was dope. It was dope. But it's cool. So like, all right, as like a comedian, I feel like in a rap like i don't rap but i see that mentality of like you almost don't know what you're creating it just kind of comes out of it but as a producer you have to like match that energy on a person like you do have to sit back and observe and wait and see like what is gonna come right it, i was just more focused on like the body language like how's people gonna react to it are they gonna really like like you know are, are they getting aggressive are they getting hype like you know i was really, really focused on that Cause I so I can know like for whatever song I do the next time I already know what to tap in and what energy I could I could cater to, um. So with that album it was pretty much it was a balance of different shit you know what I mean. But yeah. overall I was just looking at everybody's energy and how everybody was reacting to it. I wasn't really I was focused on the sound but I was really focused on the crowd of just making sure everybody uh was really tapped in and really fucking with it you know um. But like I said uh it was my first time doing it so. I'm experiencing it the first time pretty much as everybody else is. Like, I, it's kind of like the first time I ever heard my own shit. I heard it mad times, but really hearing it in that type of spectrum and capacity, I, it was like a, like the first time of a first listener. How do you get into an artist's head to start making a project with them? Like, how do you match their energy? 
Um, well, a lot of artists I deal with is is really on a personal level. Like I don't really uh I don't really send out beats like that. Um, it depends on circumstances too, like location wise. But I always got dialogue. I always build with dialogue. I don't just do the email and then pretty much just wait on whatever you do and then send it right. You know what I mean? I, I like to be there from the whole process. Um, so a lot of, I'm blessed enough to have a lot of artists come to me and pretty much I cater to whatever they're feeling at the moment, like a therapist and shit like that. Like 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 they yeah. they they come over here and I'm like, what 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 are you feeling at the moment? All right, what, what's going on? Or we or even just conversation, like how me and you are talking right now. And you probably just venting to me or whatever you're feeling at that moment. I'm like, oh, I got the perfect shit for you. Or I'll just cater some shit on the spot and I'll make it from wherever you're feeling. And just pretty much let it off on on, on the mic and, and I fucking do my do what I do on 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 the on the program and shit like that. But yeah, I, a majority of the time when I when I deal with artists is always a personal level. Yeah. Have you always been been a listener? Absolutely. Absolutely. I really uh I'm a good listener because I really, I, especially like dealing with artists, you want to make sure you want to bring that out. You want to bring that emotion out in the music. Um, It's not really like, I'm not one of them guys that, that I play a beat and just, like, just rap on anything. Like I want you to really vent off of whatever you're going through because then eventually that's going to translate into the music. And there's a lot of people that's probably going through the same shit you're going through. So people's going to relate to that and be more relatable. Um, so a lot of the music I deal with is always on some personal level and it's not really like, let's cater to this, let's cater to that. It's just like, however you feel at the moment, like, like I said, like, so like, if you're feeling like this, I got some shit for you say like this and do it over, like do it on this beat. Um, if you're feeling like this, do on this, you know, so it's kind of like, uh, just catering, catering, but as far as listening, I've always been that type of guy. I've been really obsessed with the like parable of the tortoise and the hare recently. Right, I don't right. Know right. Why? But I can't like stop thing. I'll get like caught on little things and I'll get obsessed with it. And I like hearing you say that you're not gonna just do whatever for whatever, because that is the like hair mentality of like, ooh, what's gonna get me this right now? Nah. And I think the artist mind gets stuck sometimes because you're like, well, I want this to be the biggest it can. But you just have to like stay in that pocket, you know? Yeah, I mean, eventually, if it if it's gonna become something big, then that's the universe telling you that. You know what I mean? Like you can't really force that on people. Like, yeah. uh, like um, you can't force a hit record. You know what I'm saying? Even saying saying hit record now is like we it's like subjective now because we don't even know what that is. You know, it's whatever the people feel like. The people kind of dictate that now. No DJs, no radio. So as far as like hit records or like that feeling of like this is gonna be my biggest album. You can't really call that. You got to really go by what the people feel. Like, every project I do, I feel like it's the best shit. But as you're supposed to feel that way as a producer or as a rapper. But at the same time, as long as I know it's going to be the best shit, then I'm I'm cool with that. But whatever comes out in the public, if they feel the same way, then that's, that's dope as well. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, when I do music, I do it for myself. I do it for my own therapeutic mind and how I, wherever I'm going through, like, you know, it's like when I say I'm the therapist and I listen to what the artist is telling me. I make these beats because this is where I'm feeling at the moment. Or I feel like if I hear something crazy, it kind of motivates me to want to create something even better or even just get creative, you know? Um, But as far as like all that, like this is going to be my biggest shit ever and all that shit, you're supposed to feel that way. But at the same time, Whenever the universe tells you it's gonna be your biggest shit, it's gonna be your biggest shit. Uh uh-uh. um, that's how I look at it. Yeah, you kind of, that. Yeah, you have to stay in that pocket. That's it. Do you that's have it. a relationship with the universe? 
Um, you know what's so funny? I'm I'm so tapped into your podcast. I remember you were talking about DMT and shit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you talk about universe and energies and shit like that, like I took I took a t- acid probably like a couple years ago, changed my fucking life. Really? Oh, I want to hear what happened. Yeah, it just changed my life. Like so. The only time I took acid, and it's one of those things I, I want to take it sporadically, like like for occasion. But that one was one of the occasion moments that um one of my boys, he he was about to move to Oregon on some weed farm crazy shit, right? So I don't be tapping into the psychedelics, or I never really did. The most I did was probably shrooms. Like I used yeah. to I used to drink it in tea. So it's, it's like a different feel. Like oh, those like fungus drinks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I used to drink, but like, like it was more like a tea, like actual tea glass. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was shrooms in it. So that's the probably the most psychedelic I did before that. And uh, my boy was like, yo, uh, come on, I'm about to leave the Oregon. We got to we gotta just zone out and go to another universe. So you know how, how that talk goes. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck it. I took one, and then I took another one. I took two, like, like in a matter of fucking five minutes. But thinking oh, it was... Shit. Yeah, thinking thinking it was gonna be kind of like how the shroom tea was, because the shroom tea was more settled. I was more relaxed. I was chill. <laughs> and we we go to my house, pardon. We go to my house and um, no, we go to my boy's house and we all watching like shit on YouTube, some crazy shit on YouTube, like psychedelic shit. <laughs> and, and by the time everybody left, I guess that's when the trip hit me. It felt like I was getting closed in, like the walls closing in, and I was by myself. And it just made me realize of who my surroundings was, and it was some some crazy shit. It was like a roller coaster, like a roller coaster of emotion, like like kind of like it was going spiral, going downhill. Like don't the, the back trip was about to happen, and I had to tell myself, nah, this can't happen. Nah, nah, I gotta raise my fucking elevation up and make sure that I'm good. Um, so I had to keep on telling myself that to avoid a bad trip. But overall, like it was a dope experience because it actually opened my mind to a lot of things. Like whatever I'm worried about, don't even worry about it. It's like, like those are like the least things you need to, the worries don't even matter. It's going to eventually, everything's going to pan out for itself. You just got to go with the signs and go with the motion of how life is going to give you. Um, That was one. I was listening to fucking Jimi Hendrix. I took a Uber, a fucking, uh, I took a Uber pool on, on fucking, <laughs> I, took, I took a Uber pool on, on, on tabs. And just to be around people, or were you going right. though? It was just the first thing I clicked, and I, I just I, I was like, I had to get the I had to go the fuck home. No, you got yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and fucking so uh, there was a girl who went inside the cab, and to this day, I always try to figure out what the hell did she see? Because I know my face, I was tweaking. I know she probably saw my face bugged out, looking at her like with my eyes wide. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and I just remember it was the longest ride of my life. Like, like, like cliche shit. Like, like, like the lights was moving and, yeah. and like fucking <laughs> psychedelic shit. And I was like, you know what? Let me put, let me listen to some Jimi Hendrix. And I should start listening to Jimi Hendrix. And that's how my body was a little going with the vibrations and being a little more cool and relaxed. And then when I got home, I tried to go to sleep on that shit. And I was like, oh, no, nah, I can't even go to sleep. Like, I'm up. Like, I'm up. Fucking start sweeping my house now and stop listening to fucking Grateful Dead. Like, you know, <laughs> I was just going back and forth, back and forth. And my wife is just looking at me. She's like, what the fuck happened to you? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and the only thing I told her was like, yo, this shit ain't for the week. This shit ain't for the week. <laughs> 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 and she's like, she's like, okay, what the fuck happened to you? And I was just like explaining to her, like, yo, all the work, like getting super deep with it. Like, like, you know, our worries is not going to be our worries anymore. We're going to live like this. We're going to do this. 
I, I thinking like kept on telling myself positive shit because the moment I stopped talking about positive shit, I felt like the bad trip was gonna happen. It was like some powerful shit. It was a lot of deep spiritual shit too because it's something that I saw myself doing like what like like years from later, like like premonitions of how my life is gonna be, and that's what kind of calmed me down. Like, all right, whatever I'm worried about ain't gonna make sense because I'm gonna live my life like this in a couple more years, and that calmed me down. Like really just seeing foreseeing whatever I'm going through in my life later on. Um, but it was like a deep spiritual thing. So ever since that time, I really just go with with remote, like with with the energy and go with the vibe of things. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. I don't really trip. You know how some people be like, "Yo, why is this not happening? Why is this not working for me?" I don't, I never think like that. I always think about, it. "I'm like, ah, it's not my time." Like whatever God puts that purpose for me, then I'm gonna live my life like that. You know what I mean? Everything happens for a reason. Maybe I'm not ready for that shit yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe a couple years later I'm gonna be ready. You know? Um, so I live my life like that pretty much. And that pretty much I, I always did, but that kind of boosted up more the fucking acid and shit like that. So that just changed my whole perspective on shit. What do you think psychedelics does to your brain that gives you that like jump start? Like I've it's so hard to like I don't I don't understand it, but it does. Yeah, it's like a portal in your mind that you like kind of think already, but it just brings it out more. Like, so like depending on where you are in your life, right? Like 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 oh, they always say like psychedelics is not good if you're going through depression and shit like that because it enhances the depression. But if you're in a good space in your life, or even if you got good people around you, a good atmosphere and shit like that, I feel like that could open up things that you never throw in your mind, create some whole other it probably boosts up your more your motivation of doing something even more. Like like uh like for me, I always thought like, all right, I, I'm doing the right thing, but now it's actually giving me some clarity of like don't worry about it. You're doing the right thing. Just keep on working and keep on doing what you have to do. Everything is going to line up the way it's supposed to line up. And um, I mean, to be honest with you, and it has been that way. Like for me personally, like everything I said I was going to do, I was going to eventually do it. And, and and still, I'm still learning and doing it. You know what I mean? And that's what life is all about. Like everything is a process and you learn from whatever your mistakes is or whatever you put in. You could work a lot. You could do it a little more better or try to do a little more uh. uh strategically better um so uh that's pretty much where i think it opens up for it opens up a portal of creativity it opens up a portal of something that you were thinking about doing but now it makes you want to do it yeah it makes everything seem so important not so important but it brings everything you know your third eye it brings everything to the front of your brain where you're like nah you can't hide from this if you're trying to hide from shit like you're gonna deal with it right then yeah, it's on face first. Like it's gonna hit you right in your face. And this is what this is your life, and this is what you need to do for your life in order to live like this. Stop bullshitting pretty much. It's kind of like yeah. yo, go for it. Um <laughs> and I mean, I'll tell you, like for me, like I had you know, like we're we're human beings, we always got these worries of like what's next, what I gotta do next, or how my life is gonna be in the next five years. Like we always have that in our mind. But for me, I have that in my mind, but at the same time, that kind of opened the doors of like. Don't worry about it. You're gonna you're doing the right thing. It's just you gotta be more aggressive with it, you know? And um Yeah. That's pretty much it. It gave me clarity. It gave me a lot more clarity and shit. Were you ever a video game person? Yeah, when I was you know, like when I was a kid, teenager and shit like that. You yeah. like story games and stuff? Oh, uh, I was <laughs> I was more into like sports and violent games, like okay. Grand Theft right. Auto, like all that crazy. Story games is like it was cool. Uh, depending on what kind of story game, like Resident Evil, like you know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Story games, but it still had like fucking violence and shit like that, you know. 
Yeah, the reason I bring, I'm not just like bringing that up randomly. The reason I'm bringing that up is the like enjoyment of the journey. Because right. like, I enjoy story, I enjoyed story games, whatever. But I wanted to know what happened at the end. But it's like, nah, you gotta like. The whole point of it is to enjoy the gameplay, enjoy the journey, the journey to the end to figure it out. Because if you got everything you wanted, like, would you be truly happy? You know, like you'd just be like. If you were happy even with what you were creating fully, you would be like, nah, there's no real point in doing this. Yeah, or you you don't appreciate it a lot, uh, as much if you got it quicker without the journey. Um, I feel like the journey creates character, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, you've been through so much shit, and people see your story of been through so much shit, and you finally reach to that, to the pinnacle of what you aim for. Um, People see like that, like, like an underdog finally won the championship. Like, uh, I like to consider myself an underdog because my journey's always been crazy. Like uh, I always wanted to do music for years, and I always had steps of how I wanted to do music. Production, ironically, production was always the last thing for me to do it. Like I never had that in my mind to want to do beats or or do production and all like that. I actually wanted to facilitate and bring the producers to certain artists, like an A and R. You know what I mean? I, I was doing that at one point, and um, I was bringing talent. So to become the talent, I stepped back and become the talent. That was the last thing in my mind. So the creator. So when you mentioned the journey, it's like me telling me telling God and telling the, the universe, like, what's my purpose? Give me my purpose now, because I, I I thought I I thought I had one, but now you're taking me into a whole nother route, and it's actually becoming successful in the sense of like I'm doing my thing, like with that shit, and that was the last thing that ever came to my mind. So. The journey is always a big thing. Like I like that. Even when I look at other people's journeys, like uh, like other artists, you know, I always look at them as a template of like, yo, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of seeing somebody from the very beginning and see where they go going at now, no matter who they are. I like to watch them from the very start. I used to take yeah. I used to do I used to do photography, and I got so many pictures of people's humble beginnings, and then to see them now, it's like shit. I remember him doing that, doing this, where he was at at that moment. And now look at them now, juried up, concerts, festivals, and shit like that. So I always like to look at that as, like, the journey is always important because you're going to appreciate it, depending on the person you are, you know? Who's some wild people you got photographs of early on? Shit. Uh, Westside, obviously Westside Gun, uh, Conway, Benny, Dan, like, a whole Griselda, like, uh, Flea Lord. Uh, I, I got pictures of Flea Lord before he was rapping. Oh, uh, Really? Yeah, before he was rapping, when he was around, when he was around Griselda a lot. Um, who else? Uh, Dave East. He has a sorry to interrupt you, but Flea has that strange, not strange origin story, but it's like this was the last thing he expected to do, and then like Prodigy told him, like basically for not forced him to rap, but was like, nah, this is what you have to be doing. Yeah, Conway, Conway introduced me to Flea Lord, ironically, in, in Prodigy's last show in New York City. And it was oh, Webster, yeah. yeah in Webster Hall. Um, that big show, like 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 kind of like when Raekwon, Prodigy, all of them when they when they pretty much handed the handed the baton to, to Westside. And that's the first time I met Benny too. Um, but Westside had a show, he told me to pull up, and I pulled up and everybody was there. It's probably honestly one of the greatest shows I ever been to. One of them, because it just was like pure, like Everybody I grew up listening to and the people I fuck with. Like, you know, like um Pro I never met Prodigy. I met Prodigy that day. And that was his last ironically, like I say, it was his last show ever. And 
finally introduced him to Fleelo, and Fleelo was like, oh, yeah, what up? You know what I mean? But he, I didn't know he was rapping. I don't even think he was rapping at that time. Like you said, Prodigy actually pushed him to do the rapping thing. And, um, but yeah, um, shit, like pictures like that. Like I, there's a picture of um, Conway, me, and then Prodigy above me rolling the blunt. <laughs> um, and I, like I said, I used to take pictures. So I, that's the day, I, that's the, ironically, that's the day that I didn't have my camera. I, in my In the back of my mind, I was like, fuck, man, I don't, why I didn't get my camera? Because I knew it was going to be something special. Ray, everybody, like, everybody was in that shit. Raekwon, Rock, um, the, the, the main people, the locks. Like, like it was just fucking nuts. And but that um, wasn't your purpose. That wasn't my purpose. It was just pretty much going there to show support, um, just to be around, just to be around history. And like I said, it's a memory that I have in my for myself just to be in that show. Cause every time I hear about it or who or late years later finding out who was in that same building and I, I end up just linking up with um it was one of them special shows that a lot of people just joined and watched, you know. Um but yeah, um, like I said, humble beginnings. I I I, I got pictures of uh the fly guard listening session, and um it was me, Sky Zoo, Smith and Wesson, uh West Side, Derringer, it's a bunch of us. But like, like I said, humble beginnings. Like everybody's like fly. You think about Fly Guy now. To me, that's my favorite West Side Gun album, right? But in the, in hindsight, hearing it for the first time in the studio, you thinking like, oh shit, this shit is crazy. But now it's kind of like one of them albums that is like, oh nah, that's the shit right there. You know, like it has so yeah. much shit on that joint. Um, so living in the moment too like when you live in the moment sometimes when i take pictures i like to live in the moment i i just like to just forget to take pictures and just soak everything in and just pretty much be like all right this is a special hip-hop shit and, and that's it yeah how'd you hear about griselda for the first time link with them because you're if you're there early on you know you yeah. were um so there used to be a public i mean my, my there's to be a public access show in new york on a very well-known they they always found underground artists early for, for years, for years. And then they revamped themselves like in 2014, 2015. And they were telling me about a West Side, specifically West Side, because uh Griselda was like it was still forming. It was just West Side and Conway and Derringer. And they were they were telling me about West Side. And then V Dawn told me about West Side, West Side Gun. And then uh, V Dawn told me that he was gonna have a session that I should come through and meet meet West Side Gun. And then West Side Gun heard about me for what I was doing because I used to work at Rock Nation and um I used to do the AR work. So West Side Gun heard about me through V Dawn and Mass Cyphers. Like y'all heard a lot of good things about you, man. I would love to politic and connect. So we will build on Twitter, like just nonstop of building. Like, yo, I'm in the city whenever you're ready to link up. And I'll tell him like, yeah, I'll keep you posted. And then we eventually linked up and I brought him to the office. And he he was just telling me his story. Like the story he mentions now and he was telling me that shit in 2014 2015 uh what he's planning to do what's his goals what he wants to do he was popping bottles in atlanta but he still likes his shit to be what you know what i mean like everything he talks about in these interviews he was telling me that shit then and what he sees in griselda and this is pre-benny like there was no benny involved there was just conway damage and him and he was just telling me the story about how conway's conway's story how he linked up with derringer and oh, Derringer it, fucking uh, bailed him out and let him live on his couch. I remember Conway telling me that story yeah, before yeah. they blew up. It's crazy hearing it now. Yeah. So so he was just telling me like little things. And then uh, we we just started building. We started building like I will I will try to connect them with certain people. 
And then uh, we went to there's a there's a crazy picture. And, uh, we went to the YouTube office, and there was like an event there. <laughs> it was me, West Side Gun, Skazu, and Slim Jesus. You remember Slim Jesus? Yeah, I do remember Slim Jesus. We we actually ran down on him. Like, yo, let me get a picture. <laughs> and it's a picture with me, Skazu. West Side Gun and Slim Jesus, but Slim Jesus looks like mad, like like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that, you know? But, but it's all of us and shit. Like that's what that's a classic picture. And um, but like he would tell me like, yo, I'm about to go to the radio. If you want to come through, you know, like when he started linking up with Static, he would tell me like, I'm about to go do this freestyle with Static. Like early humble beginners and shit like that. Um, he had a festival uh called um the greatest day ever, and I helped him book that. I helped connect that with them during their first, I think their first festival in, uh, in the Bronx too. It was in the Bronx and they, it was like a big festival and they, I think they were like opening it up or some, like somewhat opening it up. And this is when they just got signed to Shady. And that's when I really got the chance to build with Benny and um, El Camino, fucking Flea Lord. Um, so it was a bus of all of us going to the fucking festival. But think about it now, it's like, oh shit. Like, you know, it's just so crazy how many people I was around with or, or legends I was around with. Just being there, clicking with people, you know what I'm saying? Cause I, I fuck with them, those are my peoples. Um, but at the same time, it uh doing that, it was dope. Um, there was another time. What was another time? But you didn't feel it in the moment. You didn't realize how special was, all that was. Not even that, because I knew like I said, I'm a fan of this shit, right? I knew it was special and I knew it was growing. I knew it was going to grow eventually or become bigger than what it was. But at the same time, I'm just living in the moment of like, oh, shit, this is dope. Like they like a festival actually doing this type of music, like a real rhymey boom back. You know, most festivals was like Future, Travis Scott, yeah. fucking that type of, you know what I'm saying? This is Griselda, like boom, like grimy early West Side Gun shit. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Infuse Productions. Anyone who likes good weed, good music, and good people needs to check out Infused Productions. And make sure to come to one of their upcoming shows, always featuring your favorite cannabis vendors and growers. Also, don't forget to come join the Grumpy Cup in Greenfield, Mass., July 8th and 9th. For a comedy show, cannabis competition, barbecue competition, and exotic car show. Make sure to hit up Infuse Productions on IG, Facebook, or go to infuseproductions.com. That's I-N-F-U-Z-E-D productions.com. Or if you want to check out The Grumpy Cup, go to thegrumpycup.com. Let's get back into it. And just to see that... Just being around it, like yo, this shit is dope. I could see it slowly progressing into the shit that I grew up listening to, and how we all appreciate this type of shit. Um, but yeah, the reason I I say that is because it goes back to like what we we're talking about before about how you don't know, like you the universal push when the universe is ready, but sometimes you don't know what that thing is that's gonna be next. In that moment, did you re like? What connected because I know what connected to me to Griselda in the beginning or what, but like, did you know the, oh, this is different? Um, like I said, talking, talking to or just talking to being around Wes and shit. Um, I seen Wes a few times prior to me linking up with him. I remember once, ironically, this is where the Hollywood universe works. One of my boys owned a store in Brooklyn, it was called Rock and Soul, and they used to sell the Rock Nation hats early. And I remember 
West Side Gun. It was a big event. Everybody was there. I remember West Side Gun smooth by himself, walked in, gave me and my man a pound, bought a Rock Nation hat, and kept it moving. But ironically, now he's with Rock Nation, and I just saw him really like at that time buying that hat. But um, I just remember seeing him, and he had to go fronts, and I was like, okay, this is like some old like you know. I remember ASAP doing it, but he like West Side's are like you know a little older, like my age. I'm like, oh, he remind me of back in the day stick up kids from the '80s and shit. And even the way he talked, and I remember listening to the song he did with with Sky Zoo, the Rolex. And I remember watching the video. I'm like, yo, where the fuck is this at? Like, like I know Sky Zoo's from Brooklyn. Where where is he from? And then, like I said, building with him, just talking to him and him telling me my story about Buffalo. I'm like, Buffalo? Yeah, I remember going to Buffalo when I was younger, and I knew how Buffalo was back then. And I knew it was, like, you know, a little gritty back then and shit like that. So he's telling me his story about Buffalo and what came out of Buffalo, Rick James, um, the, the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Bills. That's all, for me, being from New York City, that's all I really knew, you know? And Lex Luger. Lex Luger's from Buffalo, the wrestler. Is it? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me. I feel like I, this is like me- muscle memory. I feel yeah. like I, I think he's from Buffalo. Don't quote me. But I thought I, you meant the producer. I was just no, like... no, 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 no. The wrestler, the butcher rat. Lex Luger and Sting, but well, Lex Luger, I think is from Buffalo. Don't quote um, the wrestler. Um, so that's what I really knew about Buffalo. And then he started telling me about the hip hop scene out there. You know, at the time, though. They, Upstate wasn't really like a thing that people really talked about. Probably the closest was 38 Special and Edo. Yeah. Um, but like if you're really tapped into upstate hip hop, like Green Lantern was from Rochester, I think, I believe from Rochester. Rochester, yeah. Edo and Special. Those are the only three people that, that came to my mind when I think of upstate rap at the time. And then when you mentioned Buffalo and, and all that, I'm like, that's pretty dope. That's a unique part of hip hop that nobody talked about yet. Like, what's their yeah. story like? Like I would like to see where they, where they, what, how the hood look like over there, or, or and pretty much he would just break it down to me and just seeing for what it is. That's how I kind of knew. That's why I got more attached to it because of this, how how the story, how his story was, and him being a good dude. Like he's a he's a good solid individual. Like he was very receptive and cool and, and respectful and and, the, and it was mutual. Like we actually would we build like you know. Yeah, it's like the underdog sees underdog thing. And I feel like that might be misconstrued or that word can be taken negatively. But honestly, underdog is just overcoming the odds, the unmeasurable odds to do whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I, I always find myself attracted to that, like the underdog story and just seeing the journey from there. Because at the end of the day, especially with music, you know how many people do music, but to finally see a person's whole story slowly progressing and slowly progressing. And then when it finally progresses, it's kind of like, for me speaking, I kind I, I appreciate that roof of that shit. Like, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, finally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Finally, again, it's just dude. And um, like I say, even for myself doing music, uh, as a, even a producer and the people I'm I'm affiliated with, like, I'm still that fan of, like, Finally, they're paying attention. Finally, like, you know, but like I said, I don't force it either. Like, whenever it's that time and people finally catch on, it's like, all right, great. You know what I mean? Now, now I'm ready to just turn it up even more, you know? And that made you want to be the A&R, like, because you were, you were, you were a rock nation. You were probably, you were top of the, you know, like. Yeah, I was like slowly building my, my status as far as bringing dope shit in. You know what I mean? Like, I, like. Like you, I, of course, your legendary story of playing Griselda for the first time for Jay and shit. Yeah, wait, wait. So with Jay, that Jay shit was funny because I was playing Cal, 
on ignorant levels, like 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 house party levels, playing that shit dumb loud. But mind you, Cal's a fucking deep rapping song. Like, <laughs> no, that sounds like a party song. Yo, nah, nah, <laughs> That's bro. the definition of scaring the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So imagine imagine corporate people just walking in the office, like, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> and I'm blasting that shit on ignorant level. But I remember Jay passing by, like, what the fuck is like doing, like you know, and. Really playing it for a lot of people in that building, like like playing different shit. Like I remember that showing, like I said, in Webster Hall, being there, and the next day telling people like, "Yo, I've been to the greatest show in a long time." Like on some hip hop shit, telling them like, "Yo, these dudes remind me of." In hindsight, not they don't now, but like it gave me the ghost face Raekwon vibe. Like it gave me that grimy essence of boom bap dirtiness. Like it gave me that feeling of when I grew up. And um, I just kind of explain it to people like, yo, this shit is crazy. This is you got to tap in, tap in. Like telling everybody, everybody, even fucking people who don't listen to rap, tap in. Like, you know, I was heavy into that. And but I always been that type of person, even with, with Rock Marcy. Like I brought Rock Marcy to Rock Nation just just to have him there. You know what I'm saying? Just to have to really. Well, I want to hear that story because I, I heard the I heard the Griselda story. I hadn't heard the Rock Marcy one. So, so the Rock Marcy one was like you know just tapping in, just pretty much letting him know I'm a big fan. Like I grew up on rock, so like I linked up with Jazz and I told Jazz like, yo, um, I can't. I'm not one of them dudes that promised people at the time like, yo, I could give you this. I, I just want to build first and connect, just to see where you are, where you are, what, what's your goals, what's your plans, what, what, what do you want to stay this route? Um, some people would prefer not even being that deep in the in, in in the in the mainstream industry of a major label, you know. Um, some yeah. people like to be in their lane of like, I like what I do, I like my samples not cleared, I like to do my own shit, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. But just to build, just to be a fan, I'm really just a fan, like like yo. Yo, Rock, I was listening to this and this and this, and he was cool. Like, he was cool and receptive, and, and Jazz set the play up. Like, we got a chance to really build and talk. And, um, but, yeah, and then eventually later on, you know, like, press love saying, like, yo, I just play Rock for Jay. Like, shit like that just always bugs me out because I'm like, I'm glad enough to say I'm the first one to brought him in those buildings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but, yeah, I brought him. I got Rhapsody signed in Rock Nation. Um. So I did a lot of shit there. Like, like you can see the pedestal I was trying to really bring into the building of real rap, like yeah. real rap and of how I grew up in. You know what I mean? And um, but yeah, uh, if you asked me, I would have brought if I was still there, I would have brought the Al Davinos, the fucking SD. I would have brought all that shit in there because that's the shit I like. That's the shit yeah. I listen. I just to. recorded I a podcast with Nack and Davino yesterday or two days ago, which is one of the craziest ones I've ever I done. It. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, man, but one, but one of those like I'm really tapped into to, to this whole essence and a renaissance because I'm a part I'm a part of it now. Yeah. I, at one point, I was a fan, so I, I just looked at it as a fan growing up and just really listening to how I how I felt. Like you know, what I mean, the Nas and the Mob Deeps and the and the Wu Tang's all doing one song together. That's the closest feel I got from from this shit going on now. What do you think are misconceptions about major labels? Um. Like, like, the, depending on the deals you get, you know what I mean? It's like kind of like if you, so my thing is a lot of people like to reach out to labels, like, yo, sign me, sign me, sign me. And, and you think you're going to get this million dollar budget and all that. And that's not the case. Some people, you know, it's really considered a loan. Any type of budget you get or any type of advance you get is a loan from the bank. You still got to make that up and plus more. Um, But a lot of people still, I mean, the misconception about a major label is like, like, once I get signed, I'm on. 
that's not really the case because there's a lot of people that get signed and get shelved because they don't really they don't know what to do with them you know um it's always best to come in as an independent artist and already have your shit already structured enough to be like i did this i did this i did this i'm connected with this have like a whole resume of shit that you did on your own so when they finally do reach out it's always best for them to reach out to you rather than you reach out to them because now you can really dictate a deal you know what i mean like yo i did this i did this i did this i did this what can y'all offer me that i'm not doing for myself it's kind of like some bullshit i'm laying my nuts hang like this is what i'm doing what can you do for me obviously we know what a major label can do they could put you in certain rooms that you can't do independently like they could push you in a certain atmosphere with this person or they could push you in this commercial with this certain person they could do all that but if you're doing a lot of this shit independently technically depending on where you are mentally and what you're trying to do as an artist then it's it's pretty much the balls on your court, but it all starts with you as an artist doing everything for yourself first. Because there's no such thing as artist development. You got to be already developed before you even get to that label. So, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. What makes an artist get shelved? I guess if they don't know what to do with them or the fan, the fans can't connect or they, it, it depends. It's different times for different people. Um, You can always hear cases of like the artist is not really focused or they're not really putting out the music that, they expect them to put out or they just lazy or it's different scenarios. You know what I mean? Some, like I said, some people, when they get signed, they think that's it. I'm good. Like, you know, yeah. I got my deal. I'm chilling, but that's like, that's when the work really starts. So you got to keep on building that momentum. There's a lot of people who get signed, but a lot of people don't know who they are. So you, you got to continue building that fan base for yourself. Even if you are signed, like label ain't going to do that for you. You got to do that for yourself. Like you got to pretty much set the standpoint for that. Yeah, because I feel like as an out, you know, as an outsider and as a fan, a lot of people put the blame on the label. But since I started doing this and since anyone who knows how to put work in knows that, like, it really does come to you at the end of the day. But I feel like it's a misconception that's the label's problem when they're probably going to put in the amount of work that you put in. Also, it depends on, like, who signs you because this shit is musical chairs, right? Like. So let's just say A and R signs you, and they really believe in you. Like I believe in them, and then they finally sign you. But then the A and R gets fired, or hey, A and R quits. Then you're gonna have people who who don't really know your type of shit because the main representation that brought you in there, it's not there no more. So then that's how an artist could get lost in the mix. Also, like it's kind of like I'm recommending you to somebody. No, I'm actually recommending you to to get signed. And then three or four months later, I quit. It's like, fuck, like, who's going to be my voice of reason in that building? You know what I mean? Like, they don't know me. The other guy knew me. So it's kind of like, you could, that's how you could get lost in that mix also. Do you think, and this is a more esoteric question, do you think if an artist gets fucked over by a label and then stops making music, like, that's their fault? That wasn't what they were meant to do. That wasn't their purpose. I mean, depending on how, what, I mean, I don't even, uh, it's, like I said, it's all on the artist, man. You got to make sure your business is right because if a label is fucking you, it's kind of like you wasn't doing your business right. You got to read your contracts. You got to make sure your lawyer's on top of things. All money ain't always good money, but I know through certain circumstances with certain artists, their situations could be a little rough. So any money that they see is going to help out this situation. But in the long term, it's probably going to fuck them later on in life. So yeah. it's all, like I said, it's all about the artist. You got to really read what you, and then the way the contracts are settled or is structured, it can confuse somebody. And that's why it's important to always have a lawyer. And that's always that's the thing that you always hear about. Make sure you're lawyered up. 
because there's gonna be certain things that you're not gonna understand that that man's probably gonna be like, oh no, nah, they're trying to fuck you. Like yeah. you so as far as a label fucking you, it's not really a label fucking you. It's really like it's business. You're you, fucking you, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You gotta really be on top of the shit. You know, um, they they they're doing some business shit. That's that, that's their job. I could get this dude for the low, even though he's worth this much. Fuck that. Hell yeah, I'm gonna save up my money. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna give him this contract just to save up. You gotta really just be on top of it because you gotta know your worth too, but you gotta know what you're reading also. It's hard to realize that art is business and you have a product you're trying to sell, just like if you were bringing a product into the market, you know, like if you have an actual tangible item, like, oh, I'm going to sell fucking a hose for a car and I want that to be put into Walmart. It's like there's a, you have, that's a product brought into market and yeah. art is that at the end of the day, even though you have a much stronger connection to the product that you're putting out. Yeah. And, um, also, it is it's always good to, like I said, it's always put, put I feel like if you put the more of the work in, it's going to eventually come to you. You just got to be consistent, right? And you got to know your worth, right? You can't just take the first dollar they give you. But like I said, I can't say that for other people because circumstances could be different. But yeah. I would look at a guy like, um, God bless, like Nipsey Hussle, right? It took him years to finally announce that he's getting the deal. But that's just him structuring his own situation. To the point that when he finally got signed, it made him look more like a boss rather than just an artist. You know, this is my label, this is my store, this is my merch, this is how much I'm selling my mixtape by myself. What can you offer me now? Like it's a it's a different type of conversation. And if I, I could only imagine if you're an artist, it has to feel amazing because you're doing that all yourself. It's not, not it's not it's not gonna be easy, but if you got the right team and the right structure and the right mindset to wanna do it then you do it because i at the end of the day music can be very um it can be a, a discouraging thing because you you put all this work and you don't get the you don't get the reception that you want or you don't get the the, the accolades you want and sometimes you may see peers that reach faster than you but at the end of the day that's their journey like going back to journeys and, and energy and shit like that your time is not your time i feel like the moment you start thinking like that that's when I feel like that universe is going to answer to you because now you're not even paying attention to it. I'm Now I'm going to make you pay attention to it. It's kind of like, you know, like hard to get in a sense. Yeah. It's kind of like with love. Like when people are like, exactly. all right, you can't love someone if you don't love yourself. And you hear that and you're like, okay. Like that's a very like, what is, <laughs> but it's true. Like you're yeah. not going to, if you don't believe in your shit fully, why would anyone else believe in your shit? Yeah. Uh, and I always like to use the um the knock on the door thing, like like an example, right? Like, so when you do music, obviously it's like people are gonna see it and then bypass it. Like somebody who knocks on your door, when you knock on your door, you're gonna be like, I don't know this person, I'm gonna ignore it. But if they keep on knocking on your door, you're gonna be like, who the fuck is this? Like, you know what I mean? Who is this? What do you want? Yeah. That's how I would look at it with music. The more you keep on putting, they're gonna eventually be like, all right, this guy is in my face too many times. I gotta I gotta listen to what he's talking about. I yeah. like as a metaphor sometimes with that. That's funny because that's how I find my artists is like, damn, I keep seeing this guy's name over and over and over again. And it's crazy. Like with you, like I heard yours, I saw your name and your music, not knowing all this other stuff until way later. And yeah. then it's like, oh, you have this backing that you've been putting into it. It's yeah. how I see my podcast. Like I could push clips and cut 10 clips from every podcast and try to push it and by marketing. But I just put out so many episodes that you're going to see my name at some point. 
and you're going to tap in like because i know that i have a product that i hope people that i know people will like when they see it so i'm not gonna like yeah yeah absolutely um, move funny with it you know and you know you know your worth too and you know your worth and you know you've been consistent with it so the more you're consistent with it it's only gonna it's only gonna progress it's all about consistency and quality right like yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna just throw a bunch of episodes and it's shit you know you gotta make sure that shit is the best thing ever and make people tap into it plus it's all about the guests who you who's interesting enough to bring people into your podcast you know what i mean same thing with music like like I could do music with mad artists if I want to, but it's all about the chemistry. It's all about the, 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 the connection because like, like I told you, I don't really send music out to artists because one is all about chemistry and chemistry portrays into the music. It brings out the music even more. Um, and, and, and like I said, I'm blessed enough to have people come to my crib and we record. I do everything. I do, I produce, I engineer, I master, I do all that shit. The only thing I don't do is rap. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, so fucking my thing is like my my crib is the hub for all that. So I could tell people come through and I can knock this shit out in 10 minutes. Like no rough, no not make this shit sound perfect. And well, however you feel, we could just knock it out. So for me, it's all about quality, but it's also about chemistry also. Uh, and I'm not gonna put out just anything, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Do you like the DIY feel more than like the the corporate feel? Uh, so yeah, be honest with you, I do because now I could do anything I want. <laughs> like, I could do anything I want, I could drop anything I want, I could be around anything. Like, you know, I don't have to be politically correct and shit like that. I could say how I feel. I mean, I always said what I feel, but like, now I could be really harsh and really be brash. And I, like I said, I'm not a harsh person, I'm just a realist. Like, I tell you what it is, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, you know what I mean? But yeah. I say it in a way that is not harsh, you know what I mean? Like, like I told, like, I, like we mentioned before, when when artists always mention why why him and not me, I'm like, yo, it's not your time. It's not your time. Like that's yeah. how I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's how I'm gonna tell you. Like, yo, you can't look at somebody else's journey and expect it to happen to you. Everybody's journey is different. That's mm -hmm. it. Like it's not your time. You have to like you think about your day, and I mean people listening, not you. Like you think about your day, and what did you do? Break your day into twenty four hours, single hours, and then think about how you spent all those hours, and then think about how everyone moves that exact same way and has so much shit other than what you want them to do. Yeah. Like they have family to deal with, they have to make their money, they have to think about travel. Like everyone has such like for anything to happen is kind of crazy at all. Yeah. Like for anyone to get together, for art to be created, it needs to be so monumental that it breaks time because that's what art is. Yeah. And, you know, one thing and it's funny you say that because one thing I always I'm always appreciative is somebody giving me their time. Like so when so when we like mentioned in the listening session, like I, like I said, it was my first time really dealing that doing that. Right. But I knew how many people fuck with us. I already knew that. I knew people were going to show up. But just the fact of spending your time to fuck with us. It's like, damn, yeah, I could have did anything else. Especially you and words. Yeah, I came from, from mass. And I'm like, looking at y'all, I'm like, I appreciate you. I, mean, I can tell you that now that we're, on, we're, we're doing this. Like, I appreciate you spending your time just to kick it. You know what I mean? And listen to some music. I told it to words plenty of times. Like, I appreciate your time. But I could really tell people, like, every time I see them in, in, in the gatherings, Yo, I thank you for your time for coming through. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm really a humble dude. You know what I mean? I'm appreciative at the end of the day because I know time waits for no man. And we got time to to show appreciation and show that love for somebody else's shit 
That's yeah. a rare thing because a lot of people ain't gonna do that. I'm like, nah, I don't got time for that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but be people, but the fact that a lot of people showed up and gave their time and they showed their appreciation to the shit, I'm mad fucking humble by that. And I always say thanks. I give thanks to, to myself to like, you know, thank you, whatever, whoever's up there giving me that energy that's coming down to have people come through and show that love. I'm always appreciative by that. Love is important. I think people need to focus more on that than the negative. And I know that's like a, it's like a tripping statement. You know, you're like focus on the love, not the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's true. Sure. Like, <laughs> if you break your time, if we're talking about time and breaking your time up into that, if you're mad hella hours of the day, you're just gonna have shitty days. Like you gotta break that. Make yourself happy. Do what you love, even if it seems like. Like, I don't remember that drive to New York. I remember the great times I had. I remember the amazing album. Like, I remember all that. I don't even know if you know, but my tire blew on the way back then. Yeah, I, heard, I, heard, <laughs> I heard a wild part in the Bronx, too, or some shit like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to get the fucking tire out the back. And Thousand is holding up all these, like, paintings. Yeah. In gold yeah. frames and fiends are watching us. Like, <laughs> Yo, shit. Well, at least y'all made it out. That's that's the most but that's important. The, that's amazing. That's 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 why I'm a comedian. Is that's a hilarious story and that's a hilarious night that we know how to move. It ended up all being good. I got my tire fixed for thirty dollars the next day. Who gives <laughs> a fuck? But like, you gotta live experiences. I don't want to be an old person, be like on my deathbed, and be like, I wish I lived more. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, that shit seems that's the that's what scares me more than anything is being yeah. like, damn, I wish I could have done more. No, absolutely, absolutely. My all right. So my question for you is like being a comedian, right? How do you prepare yourself? Because comedian is a rough, a rough, rough thing to do, right? Like I always give yeah. it up to people who go on stage and 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 sense and bring out their humor to people that they never met. What do you do to prepare yourself or like, obviously I know you probably get a little jittery cause you just want to get this done and over with, but how do you prepare yourself? Well, it's kind of like comedy. I I'll compare it to music, music. Right. Like when you're in the booth, you can run that as many times before the finished product comes out. Right. And that's kind of like comedy, but we don't have a booth. Like last night I did a show. I drove an hour and a half both ways for it. And there was maybe 12 people in the audience and right. I did maybe 15 minutes of comedy. Like, that's literally what, like, I have to do to just, like, practice, you know? Okay. And that's, okay. I'll admit, it, like, I did, there weren't many people there. It was whatever. But that's my practice is, like, I'll do it in the shittiest room. So when I get that, like, I'll announce it. I'm performing at Drumwork Fest this year okay. uh, on their comedy show. They got, like, T.I., Conway's hosting it. They got a bunch of comedians from Wild and Out. And, like, I'm on that shit. So, like... <laughs> T.I. is doing comedy also? Yeah, T.I. Oh, so he's doing the comedy. Yeah, I knew he was doing comedy, but he's doing comedy on that. Oh, yeah, on Drumworks Fest this year. Yeah. That's fucking, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> I might go. <laughs> I got to see. Yo, I, if you told, crazy. like, younger me I'd be doing comedy with T.I., I'd be like, you're lying. <laughs> I remember my mom bought us front row tickets to see T.I. and Lil Wayne because my mom loved rap, like, loves rap. Both my parents do. When I was like 13 years old, you know, so. That's fire, man. But yeah. I want to prepare. I want to do those 12-person shows. I want to do a mic where I only do five minutes in front of six people. So then when a big opportunity does come, like I'm prepared. That's where I practice. Yeah. I want to be like, I want to cut the jitters as much as possible. I want to put my 10,000 hours in. I want to like, 
Yeah. That's kind of the only way to do it. And live life. Do you feel like the comedy mixed with the podcast, you're already overextending your 10,000 hours, or are you still building that 10,000 hours? I think I'm still building it. I still, I put a lot of hours, but like, I want to get past that. Honestly, like I realize that my path on this earth is a grinder. Like I'm a lazy person. So I need to like push myself. And I see, and I think that's the, you have to be hard on your work. What I was talking about, like the best people you grew up with who you thought were like they're going to be the best rappers or the best freestylers or whatever, probably don't even make music because they felt good. They were like, I'm already good. I don't need the practice. Like, I hate my stuff so much that I know I'm going to always grind it out. And that's what's going to make me make it, you know? That's a great way to think about it. Um, I'm similar to that. Uh, when I make, I'm not, like, I make beats fast, right? Like, so I make like five or six a day. But I'm, my way, the way my mind rolls is what's next, what's next, what's next? even with albums, even with albums. When I do albums, I'm like, what's next? What? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm there with, I'm, I'm there in the listening. I'm like, all right, what's next? You know, like, what can we do next? How can we make this even more crazy? Like that. My mind is nonstop of moving like that, and I can never sit still of of just letting shit pass or get used to my older work i gotta find i gotta do something new all the time all the time yeah all right um this might be a weird question how does that as an artist play into you being like a husband or a relationship man or like being like a real person because it's the real life is about slowing down but creating's the opposite yeah so so I got so I treat everything like a nine to five, right? So like when I do music, it's like it's really like I, I start early. Like I don't do the late night sessions. It's very rare that I do the late night sessions. Um, so like if I wake up, I wake up like at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, go to the gym real quick just to get my mind right, just get my whole ready, and just I'm ready to go for the day. And then after that, um, I create. I make I make music like five or six six beats, seven beats, depending on the on the mood and and how I feel. But like Monday through Saturday, Saturday, like Saturday, I normally will have people come through and I'll play some shit. And a lot of it won't even be my new shit that I made during the week. It'll be like some holder shit and I'll just play. It. And whoever's feeling that at the moment, we'll just build off of that. And then Sunday, like like during the week, like Mondays, Sundays, Tuesdays, I'll spend time with my wife. I pick her up. We go out to eat. Some hu- like human, like everyday life. But at the same time, I'm grateful enough that my wife supports me. And everything I do, like, like she, she's, she's seen it all. She's seen my whole journey. And she always tells me when things doesn't work out, it's only going to make your book even better. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. be, like with music, like, like music is always like a spiral of uh, ups and downs. And I have my journeys of ups and I have my lows and then I have my ups. You know what I mean? So it's one of those that I'm already used to it and I become numb to it. So my excitement is there, but I don't overly be excited because I'm already numb to it. I'm like, all right, what's next? I got to do this. I got to do that. My mind, but my wife always gives me the sense of like, you know, you're gonna be good. Just relax, take it easy. Let's just go out to eat. Let's relax, you know. So she's that extra voice in my head of like, don't worry about it. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna, you're doing good. But let's just go out to eat. Let's live normal life. No more music. But she's, but at the same time, she's supportive. Like she, she tells me all the time, like, yo, what you're doing is amazing. Like. I get these paintings of uh, it's crazy because like I got paintings of myself on my wall like I'm a narcissist and shit like that like like, <laughs> like, like I do too I do too I understand you know, but it's just dope shit like oh it's just dope I'm gonna put this painting on my wall because I'm proud I'm proud but 
if you have somebody come to my crib, like, look at this psych, this sociopath narcissist bastard with his face all over the wall. But I, I got all that shit. I got all my vinyl on the wall. I got plaque. Like, I'm like, my wife makes these plaques for me. Like, she makes actual, actual plaques of my vinyl. Like, I just went platinum and she puts them on my wall. Like, that's her shit. And um, I got, but it's just me looking at it to get inspired. Like, all right, this is my first vinyl. And now this is like my 13th and 14th. Look, look what look how far I came to do this shit. And I got it in my walk just for myself to just look at it sometimes. Like when no music is playing, I just watch and look at everything. The paintings of people who take their time drawing me. And I'm just watching this shit. And the back of my mind will be like, who would have fucking thought? You know what I mean? Because I was the behind the scenes guy, like way behind the scenes guy. Like I was just doing my little role, you know? But now I'm like in the forefront of being a creative. And I'm doing it with my peoples. Like, I'm doing it with people. Like, like, these are not guys, like the church, it's not guys that I just met on music. I met these, these are like my brothers, you know what I'm saying? And now they're doing their own thing. They're doing, like, you know what I'm saying? I knew Aldo since high school, you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew all these guys for since, since we were young. So the fact that I'm getting, we all getting our own separate reception and people really fucking with us or what we're doing as a collective and individually. I could really just sit back and be like, look how far we fucking came. And we're still not there yet, but I'm appreciative enough to know to see the journey of what's going on and be like, we, 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 we're progressing, we're growing, we're doing what we got to do. We just got to keep on working. Like anything else, you got to be consistent. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So you have lived all these lives in music and everything. You knew each other, you knew these guys since high school. When did you find your purpose? Like, when did that moment come to you that you realized this is what you were, what you were supposed to do in this? So, like I told you, I, I always tapped into music. I've been doing music since I was like 15 years old in high school. Like, like you know, like anybody else, I started rapping, I started rhyming and everything. And the great thing about rap it brings people together. Like, if you rap and I rap, we're going to be in a cypher. And if you're nice, I'm nice, then we're going to be a crew. <laughs> you know, it just becomes that, you know? Yeah. I met, I met a few of my closest friends to this day that we met off of rapping, and some don't rap, and one does. And one of them is my man Blue, and we did a vinyl together, and we did this together. We we did so much, but for so many years, we it was always a plan. Like, how how what, what how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it. Um, if you asked me 20 years ago that we're going to do it, I probably would have been like, nah, we're going for the major label. We're going to go for do this. But I had to experience other shit to be like, everything's timing and everything had took its course. And eventually, the, when I knew I was meant to do it, 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 it's just really a feeling that I got. It was just something that I can't live without. I mean, and that sounds also cliche, but it's like really like how I live my life every day. Like, if, like you know, how you brush your teeth, take a bath. I really live, I do that with, and then I make a beat. You know what I mean? Like, I do that shit every day because I got to do something that's creative. And as far as make, like, when, when I knew it was meant for me is like changing people's lives, bro. Like, like being a ain't no, you change a person's life. Like, when I, uh, Rhapsody, I changed the life. Like, and she told me, like, like, yo, you changed my life. Thank you so much. And that feeling that I got was like, oh, shit. I really helped like really help the whole person's situation become something bigger for her to grow and do other things so that that was like a bug of me of just wanting to help and do that you know and now ironically i'm changing my life with you know what i mean and doing what i want to do and i always been on top of music but i knew that was my purpose because i know i'm not doing it for the a and r trying to be cool in the rooms i'm doing this on some pure hip-hop like yo i know what's dope i know what's fire i'll just want to 
help elevate it more and push it to to so people can see it. And I'm doing that amongst myself now with, with the people I'm with. Did you have a moment that you knew you weren't going to be behind the scenes anymore? That you knew, like, no, I'm a producer. I want to be an artist. Um, yeah, just explaining to people, uh, like, what's dope, and they know they don't know what's dope. I mean, I guess it's like, like, yo, you need to check out this, check out that, and they're like, cool. What's the numbers like? It's like, I, right, I'm gonna tap out. <laughs> I'm done. Like the numbers, like, you want to see analytics, or you want to go with feeling and what the audience is doing right now. I, I'm not a numbers guy. I never. I mean, I get it. It's a business thing. People like to see analytics. They want to see the numbers. They want, but a lot of that shit could be misconceiving also because people pay for that shit. And you can kind of find out also when you go to the shows, somebody with a million followers, but then you go to SOBs and it's looking light, you know, like, Oh my God. Yeah. I went to a, like a, I got invited to see, like, I won't even give his name, but like right. a double XL freshman, like three years ago who has, I think he had like 2.7 million followers and there were six people in the audience. You know what I'm saying? Like, so and he didn't like, even perform for those six people who were loving him. Like he literally was like <laughs> fucked them and left the venue. I'm like, it's crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like it could be misconceived. And that was always my thing of like explaining, yo, yo. And the thing about me, the music industry, from what I know, this is like they gotta wait until it's out of this world for it to be like, yeah, fucking this shit's fire. I'm like, yo, why we can't just be like, yo, this shit, you know, it's always been fire. Why we can't be this like, like yo, it's fire from when they come up, like. I never understood that. Like I said, I'm a fan from the ghetto, like from the from the from the from the bottom. Like if I see something and I'm attached to it, and there's like a whole discography of shit, I'm gonna just go through the whole discography and see where you at right now, and just tap in and listen to it, just to show how much I'm a fan of it because I really love it. Like um, with what the umbrella's doing right now, like Mickey Diamond releasing a, like an album every month or even more. Like I, I told I'm that making another album out. It's fire, more fire than the one before. That day, that day we went to Harvard. I told him, I'm like, what's, <laughs> how many albums you dropping in this month? You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of shit. But same thing with Mickey Diamonds. Mickey Diamonds is one of my new favorite rappers, right? And um, fucking uh, I found out about him last year. Like he reached out, and I just went through a rabbit hole. Like going to the rabbit hole is always the best for me because now I'm like I don't realize how many albums you have, but then I go to your very first, and then go to your most recent, and I'll just tap in. And now he's one of my favorite rappers. Who else? I was like I was like that with a lot of people coming up. Action Bronson, yeah. Westside. Like I went through a whole dialogue. I mean, that discography of their whole shit. Um, but yeah, man. Like, um, what do you think makes an artist make it? Like, why does an artist, like, what makes, I know what you said about West, but, like, what makes an artist push it to that next level to become a West or an Action Bronson or something like that? It, it gotta be, it, it gotta be the overall look behind it, right? Like, the, the story. the uh, And at the same time, it's chess. Like, who's gonna, who's gonna put their arm around it? Um, So with West, like, I saw everything from the beginning. So it was, like, a slow progression of, like, Clark Kent, Static, uh, Emery Jones, uh, like you know what I mean, like Eminem, like you see the like, how it's slowly becoming like people like tapping in Danny Brown. I remember Danny Brown first saying it, you know. Um, and Benny people. will say that Danny, because I'm Bruiser. Shout out Danny, I'm Bruiser yeah, yeah, Brigade. Right. So like Danny being like Benny being like Danny's the first one to put us on was crazy, you know. I actually Danny was the first one. Keep it real, Danny. Danny was the first one saying it in, on on Twitter. I never forget that. Um, then you got guys like Clark Kent, like mentioned the static and everybody slowly becoming, it became a domino effect of like, you heard this, you heard this, you heard this. So I feel like the word of mouth still plays a big part in, in, 
making it because then be, that word of mouth became a domino effect of different shit plus consistency plus the look plus the story you know what i mean all that is like a package like so they got a dope look about them like west side you see west side he's, he has a look about him plus the way he raps how he talks um buffalo like when was the last time you heard anybody come out of buffalo like so that's another story on top of it like there's a void there's a lot of void so i feel like what makes an artist make it is the void like whatever void that's missing and that person fills it that could actually help you know what i mean like um so but at the same time it's all like i said it's all about timing and who attached themselves to it too like you know what i mean and word of mouth plays a big part of it you know so yeah but it's subjective. It could happen. People like people find out about somebody on YouTube and then they got a hit record and that's how they make it. You know, and yeah. so it, it, it varies. It, it, there's no there's no set plan into it. You know what I mean? Like uh, like Ice Spice, like she made it within a year and she had that one joint and then it became a domino effect for her. So everybody has their own ways of how they make it. Obviously, she made it within a year and Griselda made it within five. So. Mm -hmm. It's all about the journey, like you said. So, and, and um, you can't really call it nowadays. It's all about the timing, or however that plays out, and the void, whatever void is missing that the, the game wants or they miss. And obviously, Griselda created this void that was missing in a long period of time. Outside of rock, you know, obviously rock, rock helped reinvent it. Yeah. And then Griselda brought it more into the light. And then after Griselda became a domino effect of other rappers. Like, I remember that rabbit hole so much that I got so excited because I was like, oh, shit, it's, more, it's not just them. And then I started finding younger dudes, like Rome Streets, the Uncle John's, the Sauce Heist, the fucking, you know what I mean? A bunch of these guys coming yeah. up. Looking at all the features, like, ooh, who's Crime Apple? Who's fucking, and then you find out everyone's in Pekka, and then it's like, oh, it's. And they all doing songs together. Daniel Son with Crime Apple, ST Nag with Sauce Heist, Sauce Heist with Edo. Like, it's like, yeah. holy shit. And, that, and it gives me the closest feeling of how it was like in 98 and 94, like how I grew up listening to hip hop. Like, you're going to have a big pun with Cameron and Cameron with the locks and the locks with Nori, like, you know? It yeah. gave me DMX with fucking white. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like it, it just gave me that feel of that shit. And um, I remember just being in that rabbit hole, and that just opened my whole portal of, oh nah, this is a, this is a thing. This is like a big thing. I gotta be now. I gotta be a, a part of it now. I wanna. I I don't know how I'm gonna be a part of it. I just wanna help and be yeah. around it, you know. And then eventually, I became a producer and <laughs> started doing the shit. Would you put your chips behind anyone right now? Hmm. Yeah, me. <laughs> me and my crew. <laughs> I fuck Aldo, Street Mason, Blue. That's my shit. And, yeah. and, and non-biased. Uh, non-biased. Uh, um, there's a lot, man. So there's a lot of dudes that's really doing their thing. But at the same time, it's like I don't even know if I if I see them doing the mainstream shit. Like you know, like um, I like St a lot. St's dope. Yeah. Um, but I can't. I don't really see him really because he doesn't care it. about that stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't really see him doing that. But like, I can see Mickey doing something. I can see Mickey. I can see Mickey doing something. Um, he yeah. just he has to have that. I mean, I don't know. I can't really call it. I can't say he has to have that one project. He has like thirty. <laughs> no, I know that's tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough. To, that's a hard question for me to put on you. I, I don't mean to. No, no, no. You know, no. It's, it's actually opening my mind to like I. Who, who, who? I mean, there's a lot of guys that's doing their thing, but I, I feel like Lord Jamonte could be. He's he, his shit has been so crazy recently. 
he's and he has a fire bar that I sit. So he goes, I would have blown in 2014, but I didn't have the funding. And that <laughs> shit sits with me. So like, I think about that so much. Like just that, whatever, however you think about that with me, it's like, yeah, that is a big part of it too. Yeah. I like, I like Stalker YL. Mm -hmm. um, who else? Um, it's, there's a lot of, the, yeah, there's a lot of those guys that I'm, I'm tapped in, but as far as like who I think is going to be the next after Griselda, it's, it's yeah. kind of odd because it's like, because Griselda's I, still in it. It's not like their era's past yet. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, there's going to be somebody that, that's probably going to take that times 10 into another force field. And I pray the guys, one of us, one, yeah. keep it real. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just not, non biased. You know what I mean? But you like I'm industry not, music? Like, do you like mainstream stuff? I do. And I don't, you know, cause it's like the same shit. Like I, I'm be honest. I love drill. I like drill shit. I like the drill music more. Um, I've been, I've been on this rabbit hole with a bunch of Chicago drill artists that nobody heard of yet. But the shit is so crazy. Cause like, I want to listen to it, but I'm not too sure who murdered who. Because they like, yeah, <laughs> I started watching that documentary on King Von and I was like, this is all this dude's too obsessed with it. Like, this is too it made me uncomfortable. You know what yeah, I mean? I, th I, th I think I felt the same way. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm listening to it, but now I can't listen to it with a straight face because I'm like, yo, I think he I think he killed somebody. In it. And, said, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm repeating everything he's saying. While when I, was, I started seeing that the he was yelling out times and the times matched up, <laughs> I was like, this shit's wild. You know, it, <laughs> You know, it, it actually gets worse now because I be watching like little interviews of like the the they're not even rappers, but they're like affiliated of the blocks with the rappers, mm -hmm. and they're talking about yeah he committed that murder over there with this block and that, and I'm like yo they like dry snitching crazy in this shit, and I'm like they talking to like a regular interview like 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 the crime never happened. I'm like and they that open about murder, I'm like it's fucking nuts, like. So. I hate the, uh, yeah, that's something I, I've I've had to edit shit out of the podcast that was like too incriminating <laughs> on people because it's like really you this is, this is not the... <laughs> yeah, I know I know I know I know I mean yo know, I I heard some stories but like I heard them but I didn't hear them but that makes sense you know what I'm saying yeah, like yeah I got, you, I got you you know what I mean <laughs> but fuck I've been I've been on this rabbit hole with a bunch of Chicago artists that's coming up but like I don't the crazy shit is like. I get attached to it, and then I, I try to disattach it because I don't even know if they're even going to be here or they're going to get locked up or something like that. Yeah. It's so crazy and nuts, you know? But, um, yeah, mainstream is cool, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I'm a Kendrick fan. I love Kendrick a lot. Um, Absolute, um, Absolute, I fuck Yo, with that Yo, that feature... Yeah, 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 man. Absolutely. How did the all right? <laughs> I know I just keep dragging this one out, yeah. but how'd the Absolute feature come along? That's crazy. Aldo, though, like, like he, he fucked with Doe for a long time, and then he, and then he, like, started fucking with the movement. So, like, Church is on the move. Like, when he says that shit on his album, Church is on the move is like a direct towards what Doe and every and the collective is doing. Wow. Um, so, but really, Doe, man, like, he fucked with he fucked with Doe, and then we started to build, and he was sending me verses of, of that joint, and I started mixing it, and. We got a chance to really build, you know. What I mean, he's a he's a dope. The way he he the way he put he puts his his shit together is is unique and ill, you know. what I mean, because that for me being a, like an engineer and a producer, I get to see different artists' processes of how they record. Some people go to straight sixteen. Some people break it down how they wait how they how, how they can say certain syllables and certain words certain differently. Um, so his process was ill. Um, 
And but yeah, pretty much to answer your question, that it was Aldo, man, yeah, he just fucked with the movement. And what was that. his process? I don't want to blow past. Uh, yeah, so he he doesn't write. He doesn't write. I mean, like at all. Like so, he like kind of like the Jay Z thing. Like you know, like mumble the word, but then he'll say like his raps in between the mumble. So when I had to could pretty much bring that verse together, it was like kind of like a puzzle, like trying to find like, oh, he said this, let me put this together. It was like like 50 lines. I got like 50 wavelength, waves of vocals. And I'm like, I don't even know what to start. Like it was like a puzzle. <laughs> and, I, and I had to fucking piece that shit together and then give it right back to him. And then he brought it. He actually said it with more convinced because he the first one I got was like a rough. And he then he brought it back and he gave me more verses. He gave us more verses with that. And pretty much that sums up what you heard and all that. But the process is ill because I'm like, all right, I got like like 50, 50 lines of bars and I got to pretty much dissect them and put them together. It was like a challenge, but it was a dope challenge for me because I'm like, all right, let me see how I could freak make. Let me see how good I am to make this shit into one solid verse. You know what I mean? And um, then I send it back. We send it back to him and then he pretty much uh, did it with more more emphasis and more convincing. And then he gave us a little extra more bars on top of that, but it, it came out the way it came out and it was dope, man. Mad appreciative off of that shit, you know? Um, and it was dope. It was dope. Yeah. That whole, that whole album's perfect. Uh, it, it's Thank incredible. You, Thank, Thank you. you so much for, for putting that together, for inviting, you know, having us at the listening party and for doing this podcast. Nah, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Like I said, uh, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of what you do. Continue doing what you do. I love to see the guests. I like to tap into the, even people I never heard of. And um, I'm a fan. I, I got to say that first and foremost. I will, I told you, I will tell you that in person. And I'll tell you that over here. You know what I mean? I'm a big fan of what you do. I even told you about DMT shit. That's how I tapped in. I um, know. That that <laughs> blew my mind a little bit. I was going to... I, I Sometimes I'm like, damn, I want to talk. But I had to let that one go. Because that shit blew, <laughs> nah, that blew, nah. blew my mind. Thank you. Nah, so, so when you mentioned that shit, I was like... Cause I uh, going back to that talk, cause uh, I always want to tap into that. I want to tap into. I just don't know where to tap into and how to do it in the mm. right setting. I want to do it in the right setting. I don't want to do that shit in the Bronx. <laughs> no, no, on your couch, <laughs> and then you come back. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons are on TV. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight up like that. I want to do this shit right. I want to be in a fucking mountain in fucking Peru, <laughs> and just see like fucking water. I don't know. Some crazy yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. Crime and all them did it in Colombia on the top of a mountain. Uh, that shit sounds shit crazy. like that. Shit like that. I want to. I, I, I would like to experience and just being like be with the world type of shit. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Man, thank you so much for doing this. Nah, appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Where can people find you? Spanish ran under well Spanish underscore ran at Twitter and Instagram. Uh, SpanishRan.com. I got all the merch, the vinyl, the the CDs, anything you need is on that website. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.